Hi, I'm Jenny. I'm co-president and chief product officer at understood.org. Femtech to me means acknowledging the fact that women are just as likely to be neurodiverse as men. And the sooner we can embrace that when they're girls and without stigma, the more likely they are to thrive. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and before we start today's episode, I want to tell you about an upcoming campaign that I need your help with. Stack the Deck for Femtech is an opportunity to get exposure for your startup. Whether you're fundraising, looking for customers, or ready for media exposure, Femtech Focus is dedicated to getting your women's health company in front of the right people. Starting this week, you're going to start to see a survey link in our newsletter, virtual community, and social media accounts with questions about your business, like where are your headquartered, who's the main contact person, what was your latest valuation, and much more. Takes about 10 minutes to complete. We're looking for minimally 350 femtech companies, ranging from initial corporate incorporation to initial public offering, to fill out this questionnaire. If you work at or founded a femtech company, please have yourself or someone in leadership fill it out by the end of September. This is for your benefit. Help me help you. Let's stack the deck for femtech. Alrighty, so in today's episode, I interview Jenny Wu, the co-president and chief product officer at understood.org. Understood.org is the resource for more than 70 million people with learning and thinking differences like ADHD and dyslexia. They help these neurodivergent individuals understand and anticipate life's challenges and build their confidence through personalized and expert-driven experiences, community, and content. Understood.org is a 501c3 nonprofit that's a private operating foundation based in New York City. In this episode, we deep dive into ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Although males are diagnosed with ADHD three times more than females are, it takes a statistically significantly longer time for females to be diagnosed, even though the symptoms arrive as early as they do in males. Jenny and I speak about why that is and what we can do about it. For more information to donate or become a partner, visit u.org backslash media or follow them on Twitter at understood org. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Dr. Brittany. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's a pleasure to have you. Um, Neurodiversity, a topic we have not touched on and I just published episode 173 today. So uh, I almost want to say shame on me, but also like, there's just so many topics in women's health, really, you know? Totally. So I'm just glad it's happening. I'm just very happy it's happening. Um, Where are you calling me from today? Uh, Based in New York, uh, where I I work at understood.org. Awesome. Are you, you're in New York city, the city part of it? Yeah. Yes. Cool. We, uh, we just had, a uh, you know, the, the sky open and finally relieve us from the heat wave. 
Yeah. I had a call this morning with a Berlin founder and she's like, can you hear me? I have three fans on me. So (laughs) the world is definitely toasty right now. Uh, Well, Jenny, we'd love to kick off the episode learning a little bit more about you personally. So we want to know like, where are you from? You know, did you go to school? Did you have a career before this? How did you end up here at Understood? Yeah, sure. Um, So I was originally born in China, emigrated at the age of five, grew up mostly in upstate New York, but way upstate, like real upstate, Rochester, Syracuse, (laughs) um, and uh, where the snow is, you know, taller than you. Um, And I, you know, spent my school and career mostly in New York. Um, I, you know, kind of got into product management through um, being a founder. I started my own startup um, back, you know, more than 10 years ago now. And, you know, I, I really kind of fell in love with it and really fell in love with understanding what makes people do things and trying to understand what makes them tick. And that led to a career in kind of consumer product innovation where I help different, you know, tech startups mostly um, figure out, you know, how to build products that, um, you know, affect behavior change. And similarly, that's exactly kind of what I'm doing at Understood. So I am one of the co-presidents and chief product officer at understood.org. Um, understood is uh, a resource for the 70 million individuals in the U.S. who have a learning and thinking difference. Um, so we provide content, you know, expert kind of driven advice, um, community and a lot more to help people, um, you know, thrive, um, with their learning and thinking difference. Um, and, you know, we do a lot to, um, figure out how to, um, change behavior and put people on a positive path. That is incredible. I feel like we could definitely go down a rabbit hole talking about product design for women. Uh, And when women are in charge of engineering and, you know, what they're going to implement into that product versus if it was just men working on that team. But that's a podcast episode for another day. Um, It it looks like understood.org has been around for a while, right? Yeah, understood has been around, um, I would say, for about 10 years Um, you know, really started out uh, as kind of a a parent's portal. Really, our founder um, uh, and his wife, Nancy and Fred Poses, they had uh, a son who had a learning and thinking difference, and they really wanted to build a resource that they wish they had when they were, you know, growing up with Max. And so it's understood started out as a parent's portal. Um, You know, it wasn't super tech savvy, but it was a, a really valuable resource um, for parents and who are looking for information. There was just a lack of information about all sorts of things from, you know, symptoms to, um, you know, how to get IEPs or 504s and things like that. And it grew to um, uh, a pretty massive audience. And, and so now I would say as of three years ago, um, Fred has come back into the company um, as CEO and, um, you know, we've started to really grow and scale and see how we can make understood even more impactful. You keep saying, uh, learning and thinking differences, and I keep expecting you to say learning and thinking disabilities. What's the difference between, um, differences, (laughs) a double word there, right? What's the difference between differences or disabilities? Why are you using the word learning and thinking differences? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, in our, in our world, disability is really, um, a legal term. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that happens, you know, when, you know, there's a diagnosis and then there is a disability. And that usually comes up when you, when you think about like ADA and like, um, disability and in the workplace or, you know, in schools and things like that. Um, that's one reason. Another reason is, you know, for us, um, we believe that differences, um, are natural, um, and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while there might be certain challenges, um, that, uh, you know, folks with learning and thinking differences might have, there's also a lot of advantages and, and beautiful kind of creativity and, and things that come with it. And so our organization, um, is, you know, really focused on kind of the, the, how to help people build a thriving life. Um, it is not trying to, you know, we, we don't, you know, advocate any pharmaceutical solutions or things like that. And so, um, for us, it's really about, um, being different and having that be okay. Mm -hmm. I love that. What I'm hearing is like people with learning and thinking differences, helping them better, um, acclimate to this world that thinks we all think and learn the same, um, yep. but also providing resources for people who may think and learn the kind of quote unquote mainstream way, understanding these people who think and learn differently. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. We have to kind of address some of the, you know, lack of information or stigma, um, you know, for, for those of us who are neurotypical, um, as well as help individuals who, you know, are neurodiverse. Yeah. That's a new word I'm hearing a lot. Neurodivergent, neurodiverse, you know, I'm really loving that. I'm, do you have like a definition of what that word means or when did people start to use it? You know, I I don't have, I don't know kind of what the official kind of definition, um, but there, there's definitely, you know, talk about a set of neurological conditions um, Mm -hmm. that manifest in in all sorts of different, you know, conditions. It's a wide spectrum that spans things like autism um, to ADHD, dyslexia, obviously. Um, And I've seen kind of um, a pickup in the, I think, mainstream use of it only in the last few years. I'm sure yeah. you've noticed it as well. Yeah. Um, I think that there's, again, more of, um, I think, a, a, a proximity um, that, that, you know, because one in five individuals think differently um, and are no diverse, it's really affecting a lot more people um, than we realize. And as a result, people are learning about it more, um, particularly in kind of like, younger generations who are not afraid to talk about it on TikTok and who mm. identify with their difference on TikTok. Um, it's amazing. So yeah. I think, I think there's a lot more research also, um, about how neurodiversity can be an advantage. Um, um, so that as well is, is I think putting it into the mainstream mm. zeitgeist in a way we haven't seen. Yeah. Definitely. So we keep kind of talking high level here. You said one in five people think differently. What, how, like, what do you mean? You said dyslexia, ADD, ADHD, what are, what's kind of give us like a list almost of like what, what kind of things may white may listeners identify this with? Yeah. So it's a very, it's a long list, but basically (laughs) any, and um, anything that is a learning and thinking difference that affects, that is a neurological condition that falls into that spectrum we talked about earlier. It could be ADHD, it could be dyslexia, it could be dyscalculia, which is like kind of like dyslexia with numbers. So there's a long list um, of kind of lesser known conditions um, that, that, you know, don't get talked about. But the most 
prominent that I'm sure people hear about are really ADHD, dyslexia. Um, you know, we we don't deal as much with kind of um, ASD, which is autism spectrum disorder. There's a lot of great organizations that do great work on that, um, but certainly that's in the mainstream as well. Yeah. Let's dive into ADHD. First, what is the difference between ADD and ADHD? Yeah. So ADD, it was kind of a slightly outdated term. It's really just one of the types of ADHD. Mm-hmm. So ADHD really has kind of three main types. Um, there's the commonly known kind of hyperactive, like impulsive um, ADHD, which is the, the classical kind of um, definition that people know. Um, and then there's the ADHD inattentive um, which is really what AD, ADD, you know, um, was known for. So inattentive is less of the hyperactivity and, mm-hmm. and less of the impulsivity, um, but similar in the kind of executive functioning, distractibility type symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, the third type is you can actually have a combination of them. So, uh, so yeah, that makes it more complex. <laughs> Does ADHD disproportionately affect females? It does not. It affects um, males and females equally, um, but unfortunately, females tend to be underdiagnosed um, compared mm-hmm. to males. And that's because, you know, the hyperactivity and the impulsivity is so commonly associated with boys mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that tends to just be the predominant kind of, um, you know, way that people assume. So because girls are less hyperactive and they're not as like, quote unquote, naughty, you know, when they're growing up, um, they get missed. um, But a lot of them could fall into that inattentive ADHD type where they're, you know, they might seem kind of daydreamy or they seem distracted, um, you know, but they get missed and, and they don't, you know, people don't realize that they're actually struggling. Yeah. Is that because the ADHD is manifesting differently in these girls? So it literally like the symptoms look different or less severe or whatever, or is it that, um, society permits the boys symptoms to be louder and be more intense. And so therefore it's more identified. Whereas the girls may have the same level of symptoms, but they really are being forced to kind of keep it under wraps. Yeah, it's super interesting. It's kind of both. So, um, the hyperactive hyperactivity, um, impulsivity symptoms are obviously just much more obvious. Um, and they're more associated with boys. And so um, that's the more, I think, predominant um, and in some ways, like just like well-known version of ADHD. Um, And so if you don't exhibit that, um, some people might miss that. Um, In addition, there are kind of preconceived um, stigmas associated with girls and women having ADHD and other learning differences. Um, And, you know, sometimes they're kind of um, labeled as, you know, lazy, or they are just spacey, or they need to try harder. Um, and, and that can disproportionately, um, affect girls as they grow up. Um, you know, over time it, it does get worse. And you see a lot of older women who have struggled with perfectionism or just like exhaustion or trying to overcompensate for things in ways that like, they're just trying to hold it together, you know? Um, and over time, all of that can just get worse until like a house of cards falls over and, you know, they realize they need actual help. 
Yeah. Um, funny enough, my mom has adult ADD, which I don't, or ADHD. I'm not sure which one. And I don't know if the word adult in front of it makes it any different, but I think it also could be not only gender issue, but a generational issue, right? Mm -hmm. Where maybe back in her day, they didn't even know what it was, but I remember I was like 14 or so. And there was a pharmaceutical commercial on, uh, describing this like adult woman, forgetting her keys, losing her wallet, like not remembering. And I was like, mom, that's you. And she was like, dang, it is. And so she's, she's now on Adderall. And like, I, I can know when she didn't take her meds, you know, like when we were spending 20 minutes looking for her keys before she could drive me to school, it would be like, did you take your meds? Right. And so absolutely like real world implication, but no, throughout my entire childhood until I saw that commercial at 14, it was just like, oh, well, mom just like loses stuff, you know, but it was like, oh no, like she actually has something in her brain that doesn't let her put it on the key ring that we made for her, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, Yeah, no, ADHD is a lifelong neurological difference. So it's very likely that, you know, it just wasn't caught, you know, when she was younger um, and she found ways to compensate for it or deal with it over time. And we find that a lot of women, you know, first realize their own symptoms when they are trying to get their child evaluated. So when they see their, their children exhibiting symptoms, they start talking about it, you know, with their pediatrician and they start to realize like, oh, I had these symptoms like, oh, this really resonates with me. And so it prompts them to, to get diagnosed like much later in life. Wow. Is there um, a genetic component to ADHD? Um, with, with a lot of um, learning and thinking differences, there is a genetic component. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how that exactly, you know, um, gets expressed, um, but mm-hmm. it is, you know, it, it is understood that there, there is some genetic component there. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what's really interesting about um, about females, which, you know, this gets really deeper into the science of it. Um, but another reason why sometimes they get missed in the diagnosis is that, you know, the hormonal changes that women go through can also affect their symptoms. So when young women go through puberty, the kind of hormonal changes and like these increased neurotransmitter activities can kind of mute some of the ADHD symptoms, which is like, something I just learned is so crazy. And then on the other hand, as women get older and they go start, you know, going through perimenopause, the like reduction in estrogen actually, you know, creates this brain fog. So a lot of like menopausal women talk about brain fog. And sometimes it is because the, the like lack of estrogen starts to um, magnify the like cognitive and memory issues that ADHD causes. Oh my gosh, mom, take your meds. (laughs) Especially at this age. Um, Wow. I have so many questions. It's so fascinating. This is actually quite typical in femtech um, in terms of diagnosing disease where moms don't get diagnosed but now as healthcare is advancing, femtech is a word, like we're learning about this stuff. It's no long endometriosis is no longer hysteria. So endometriosis yep. is a great example where girls are getting diagnosed, but the moms are like, 
oh my God, you're being diagnosed. But the girls actually have a delayed diagnosis because when they have very bad cramps, the moms say, well, yeah, that's what your period feels like. But it's because the mom has endometriosis undiagnosed, right? And so I'm kind of seeing that mirrored here where it's like this undiagnosed thing, but it's not until like a school person or somebody now steps up and the mom's like, huh? That's that's what that is. Oh, that's what I did in school when I was their age. So that's so interesting. Do we know yeah. like an average age of diagnosis for boys versus girls? I don't, um, but boys are, are I think, um, I think probably two to one more likely to be or um, diagnosed like much earlier. Yeah. Um, I think what we what we do know is um, women are much more likely to be diagnosed first with like anxiety or depression or mm-hmm. other disorders. Um, that become kind of like just manifestations of how they've, you know, coped with their um, learning and thinking difference over time. And that speaks to like the the social stigmas too, right? So there's like, it's much more acceptable to um, think that women have like episodic mood disorders, you know, like whoo, hysteria, you know, than to, than to diagnose them or, or assume it's some sort of like lifelong condition. Yeah. So, um, a lot of times women will come in, you know, already feeling a lot of kind of mental health issues as a result of just like struggling for a long time. Yep. I have a friend who, um, she was in recovery for drugs and alcohol. And then, you know, we were friends for a few years. She moved to another city and then I met up with her in that city and she was drinking. And I said, Oh, you're drinking now. And she goes, yeah, turns out I have super bad ADHD and that I was like self-medicating with alcohol and drugs. And it was like, you know, she was very grateful for recovery, but it, it provided her that sobriety long enough for someone to diagnose her. But it's like, my God, here's this woman who like was like, I'm an alcoholic, but actually was just ADHD, but she was self-medicating and that's just kind of how it manifested. Right. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's such a great example. You know, I think as women get older, the, the impact of like this, I think continual cycle of like lower self-esteem, like underachievement and like Mm. they start to blame themselves because society also kind of expects them to, you know, perform at a certain level. Right. So the perfectionism gets in there and it just starts to radically affect their mental health as well as their like achievement in life. So their academic and professional trajectory gets really impacted um, because they are not, they don't realize there's this like root issue. Yeah. I, uh, of course, because this is like how humans operate. I'm currently engaged to a man with ADHD. Um, (laughs) there we go. Okay. Connecting the dots. But, um, I saw a post on Instagram or something that was like, um, people with ADHD don't have a habit of brushing their teeth every morning. Every morning they have to make in the intentional decision to brush their teeth. And so I asked him, he's got great breath. He's got good teeth, but he often forgets to brush his teeth. And I'm like, how, how do you forget? Like I probably, I could, you know, be sleeping and still do it before I leave the house. I said, do you have to make a decision? And he said, that's interesting. Yeah, I do. Every morning I have to be like, oh, I have to brush my teeth. And I'm like, really? It's not just like this automatic thing. And so I th- I think that's really like some interesting ways to question like 
Hey, do you experience it like this? Do you experience it like that? So do you, does understood.org have any like resources or suggestions for uh, women who may be listening uh, to this episode and may be wondering, well, is it me? Like, could I, that would this be, is there certain things that they could ask themselves yeah. that might help them? Absolutely. So in addition to, you know, the 3000 pieces of content we have on understood.org, we also have a fabulous kind of series of podcasts. Um, one of them is called ADHD AHA. Um, and our most recent episode is actually with a couple. So you could actually go on and, and they experience. both have it or only one has it. No, you have to listen, but okay. it, it's, it's especially, it's talking about how, um, you know, ADHD affects relationships and, and marriage and. Oh my um, God. I have to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. You both <laughs> should listen to it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that, yeah. So we have, um, a variety of podcasts, um, and, uh, and articles, and it just kind of helps demystify some of this, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's so many, I think, myths associated with particularly ADHD, mm -hmm. um, particularly with women. Um, and mm -hmm. it's just like a really nice, helpful, digestible set of information to, cool. you know, to, to demystify that. Perfect. How is ADHD treated and is it different for men and women? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So depending on the, the severity um, and what the, the kind of treatment uh, course is, you know, it can involve a combination of like pharmaceutical and behavioral therapies. Um, so I think, you know, we don't focus too much on the pharmaceutical aspect, but, you know, I think the, the behavioral aspects um, are super important regardless of if you, you know, take medicine or not. Um, and a lot of it is, is around trying to figure out, you know, recognize like, what are your, you know, what are your symptoms and, you know, recognize what are the triggers for those symptoms. So for a lot of people with ADHD, you know, for example, life transitions can, can be a, a lot, mm. um, you know, it can really kind of leave them feeling like really chaotic. Um, and so, um, you know, we've heard some of our experts say like, for example, people um, who recently became like empty nesters, you know, if your children are out of the home, all of the structure that you used to provide for them is now gone. That's actually like, you know, a really big change. So oh again, you can tell my your mom. mom has to <laughs> listen to this. My sister just moved out and my mom has like, a, her friend is moving in and she's like, I don't really need the money, but I just, you know, it's just like having somebody in. So it's so funny when you start to unravel things and see like how much is connected for me, it's uh, PTSD. You know, I don't realize how many things in my life I do say, act, and it's actually that little thread. It's like, oh, there's a little motivation. And, you know, usually it's fine. Like my mom can have a roommate, whatever. But like, it's interesting to hear this and be like, oh, wow, buy the book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's funny you mentioned like structure with your fiance, because um, so uh, for people with ADHD, once they establish that structure, they, they really need it, mm. you know? And if you take that structure away, like when your kids move out of the house, um, it can really throw them for a tailspin. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, the, the work that um, people with ADHD, for example, have to do to, to manage it um, is really impressive. And, you know, they've done a lot of work. And so that's what we're trying to do at Understood. You know, our vision is we want to create kind of a, a behavioral health offering almost to help you help yourself um, in identifying and connecting the dots and, and figuring out what works for you. So that's, that's the work that's ongoing for us at Understood. I've 
done over 175 interviews, I have never felt so called to look deeper into your offering because I'm like, I think I have a lot to learn. So that that's very exciting for me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I want to touch briefly on dyslexia. You know, this episode's more so about ADHD, but just briefly, what is dyslexia? Yeah, so dyslexia is also um, a learning and thinking difference. Um, it's often diagnosed as a learning disability in reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so people with dys- dyslexia have trouble reading um, at like a good pace and without mistakes. Um, they might have a hard time with like reading comprehension or spelling and writing. Um, so that's typically how uh, dyslexia is defined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, all of my little artwork from kindergarten you could hold it up in a mirror and then you can read it. So it literally is from right to left and it's all backwards. And I've established tricks, especially with numbers like nine or P's or which way a five goes. Like if I think about it too hard, I actually am like, I don't know. I have to just like not think about it, but I've, I've done things like a seven. I'll put an extra little line in the middle of the seven. And for some reason that extra little line helps me know the seven points to the left rather than the Mm -hmm. right. I'm not sure, but, um, that's, they said, you know, oh, that's dyslexia, you know? Uh, but I've, did I just cure myself? Like, I know you're not my doctor, but I'm like, I wonder like what happened there? Was I just like a little weird mirror girl, you know, or like, what, what is that? Well, it sounds like, I mean, again, I think, um, these are lifelong neurological conditions. So it sounds like you found your own ways to, to manage it that, that worked for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you mentioned artwork, you know, there, there's research that shows that like those with dyslexia tend to be like, very visual and like incredibly creative. And so, you know, there's, there's interesting advantages um, for that too. Yeah, totally. I was uh, just in Israel and I stayed with a, a, co- a founder of a femtech company and um, uh, their child has dyslexia and we were playing uh, rummy cube and it was really interesting to see how often they put down like rummy cube. You have to put down these little tiles with numbers instead of putting down one, two, three, He'd put down three, two, one, and then he would rotate it around. And um, my fiance was with me and he was like, that game must have been so hard for him because not only was he thinking about like patterns and numbers and colors and chronological order, but he had to do it both like to the left, to the right, and then the right to the left again. And so it was, it was, but I mean, that family was freaking genius. So um, I think that there's absolutely advantages when you also have these learning differences, right? Do you, I think I heard that a lot of successful founders have dyslexia. Is that, you know, have you heard things like that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think everyone hears, yeah, the stories of like Richard Branson and, and, and mm-hmm. people, I think, um, you know, I, um, I've, I've heard that I think a lot of people, um, you know, when they are, especially like with, with founders having ADHD, um, it just, they're just always like firing and so many ideas. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and to, and to the extent that like they were kind of um, you know, kind of discouraged from like a more traditional path because mm-hmm. perhaps they didn't excel in school or perhaps, you know um, they weren't encouraged um, you know, they kind of had to find their own way. Yes. And so, you know, the ways that people have overcome it um, is pretty amazing, but a lot of them will say that like they would not trade their learning and thinking difference for anything. Cause it, it really did lead to their success in many ways. 
I think that's such a great way to phrase it is like, um, we figured out how to do it another way. That is like yeah. the definition of entrepreneurship, right? Like figured out how to do it their own way, a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you seeing, I mean, what are you seeing kind of in femtech right now? Do you see um, people thinking about, you know, neurodiversity in a different way or, or addressing it? Um, Jenny, thank you for being the first person to ask me a question on my show. That's awesome. I love that. Um, I think that it, it is such a nascent industry. We are literally still trying to solve problems like women's vaginas melting shut during radiation treatment. Like we're literally at such a intent. We're like, we're at period poverty, you know, like we're still in girls here in the United States, not having access to menstrual products. So the fact of like, I think that's next wave, you know, I think the next wave of femtech is things that uh, affect both sexes, but we're going to look at how it's specifically for females. So I think the next wave is more so like brain health, bone health, heart health. And I would say, you know, and part of brain health is like that neurodivergent. So I think we're right on the, like, how do we keep women alive? Um, which is like so sad, but that's where we're at. And, uh, how do we not die during childbirth? That's where we're at versus, yeah. you know, these other things. So thanks yeah. for asking that though. No, um, of course it's I, fascinating. I have one more neurodivergent question before we hit our last two questions. Our listeners love about femtech. Um, I, I, as I was thinking about this interview, I thought, I wonder if women are disproportionately the caretakers of these neurodivergent children. Um, women are disproportionately the caretakers of our parents, of our children. But I was kind of curious about like, whether it's in like the school setting or learning setting, do you find that understood that women oftentimes are in that parent portal? Like they're the ones that are like reading these things, learning these things for their kids. Yes. So, um, on our, on our website, understood.org, as well as our community app, which is called wonder with a U, um, the parents who are on are of course, primarily women. Um, you know, I think that there's, there's some, you know, I think evidence that, um, you know, parenting styles really affects like, you know, how the child gets help and, and how the child kind of experiences their learning and thinking difference. Um, and, you know, mother's parenting styles certainly tend to be, um, you know, more empathetic at times, not always. Um, but, you know, they're usually the ones who are um, more open to something being wrong and perhaps like really trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, I think that at, there are a lot of times, and, and this is part of the struggle, is that the two parents will have different stigmas associated with, you know, learning and thinking differences. So there's a challenge of like figuring out what's going on with your kid, but also like how you're going to get aligned in parenting that child. So, you know, that's, that's certainly, um, one of the things that, um, you know, we, we talk about, of, of, you know, like educating everyone and, and understanding kind of that even within your own household, there's stigma, even if your child has a diagnosis, there can still be stigma. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the work, the work certainly doesn't end. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, for educators, um, we have, you know, um, we have a number of, of uh, content pieces specifically for educators because a lot of times it is people who are in, you know, general education, not special ed, but like general education classes um, in elementary school um, are, 
their teachers really are the first to notice. And a yeah. lot of times they, they don't know what to do about it. Um, and for ADHD, you know, we've seen how, you know, kind of devastating it can be when a child gets like called out for the first time for, you know, not paying attention, yeah. um, you know, or for being disruptive. And um, obviously this like disproportionately affects, um, you know, those of different racial backgrounds as well. But like, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, we're trying to educate more teachers about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been super fascinating. I have work to do with the ADHD individuals in my life. I need to learn more about how to more, you know, live and care and and love them better for where they're at. Um, We have two last questions our listeners love. The first one is we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs, lots of grad students, university students. I love y'all guys. You are the future of femtech. So what is an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? I mean, there's so, there's so much. Um, I think one of the, the more exciting um, aspects I've seen is really in the fertility space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's from, you know, I love seeing people um, trying to uh, marry the, the developing science there um, with kind of the, the health, um, the healthcare aspects of it to really um, make it much more normal to have, you know, assisted kind of reproductive help. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one area where I think like the science of it is still developing and it's there's some really interesting developments. Um, and being an IVF mom myself, you know, it was one of the things mm-hmm. that I got really interested in. And so I, I hope that people um, feel uh, inspired by that and, and, you know, to see, I think, where an, an a intersection of like where there's like new technology plus like new areas of opportunity. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there could be an opportunity for a female specific ADHD solution? I hope so. Um, I think the, I think, you know, um, as one of our experts said today, like, you know, medicine is, is really uh, a man's world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The research on, you know, um, males and how medicine affects, you know, humans is primarily done on men. Mm -hmm. And so the research is sorely lacking on, you know, um, how a lot of solutions affect women. And so whether it's pharmaceutical or not, I think there needs to be a lot more research about what potentially could be female specific solutions. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, it's not female specific, but I, you know, tell my fiance, it's a, it's literally a, it's a crime that your, um, solution would be to remember to take a pill every day when your problem is that you forget to do little things every day. (laughs) Like I was like, it's literally, that's the worst. That's, it's just evil. Um, our last, uh, uh, last question is what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? And I know you don't really work in the femtech space, so I'd actually like to, uh, change that question a little bit. Where do you think femtech could fit in, in the neurodivergent industry and is there opportunities there? Yeah. So I don't work in femtech, but I did start out as an entrepreneur. So Mm -hmm. I I do know the tech space. Um, For me, the biggest thing is funding. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, femtech is is just starting to be a little bit of a trend. 
Um, but that being said, there's still a, a lack of understanding of women's issues um, enough to realize that there's actually a really big market for some of those issues. Yeah. And so whether it is more representation, um, you know, from the venture capital industry or from other types of funding sources um, to acknowledge and recognize that, you know, femtech and femtech, the problems that we're trying to solve in femtech are actually really, really large. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that I think would be a, a big help. And then specific to kind of neurodiversity, I think exactly what we're talking about. There's a huge opportunity to catch um, women and girls earlier in kind of like their neurodiversity diagnosis or whether they even need a diagnosis, but to, um, to either teach them differently or train them differently or treat them differently. Um, there's opportunity to make sure that we are embracing, you know, um, the amazing kind of differences that these girls show at a very young age and to make sure that we're not putting more of a burden and strain, um, on our women already for, basically not, you know, not telling them that their symptoms are valid and then, you know, kind of forcing them through a lifetime of feeling lower self-esteem um, and perfectionism. So yeah, yeah women deserve that's, so much that's a lot of work to do. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but we're here for it. We're doing it. We're going to chisel away. Um, yeah. And you're a part of that. Appreciate all the work that you do. Uh, this yeah. has been a great interview. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my interview with Jenny Wu, the co-president and chief product officer at understood.org. For more information to donate or becoming a partner, visit u.org backslash media or follow them at Twitter at understood.org. Okay, Fem fans, don't forget to fill out the Stack the Deck for Femtech questionnaire, which you can find in our newsletter, virtual community, and social media channels. You can subscribe to the newsletter on our website, femtechfocus.org. That's where you can also join the virtual community where over 2,000 Femtech founders are sharing resources and opportunities. There's an events calendar, jobs board, even a DIY Femtech accelerator. Give me a shout out on social media at Femtech Focus and consider becoming a monthly donor. We're a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to supporting Femtech founders succeed. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.